Since the dawn of time, mankind has searched for ways to shelter themselves from the elements. Over the centuries, these shelters have evolved from bamboo huts to concrete towers. The last few years, there's been a push to save the planet. Are you ready to embark on a more sustainable lifestyle? Look no further. You're about to enter the adventures of container home living. And now, contractor, radio and TV personality, and your host for Boxcar Universe, Steve Dubell. Hi, I'm Steve Dubell, host of Boxcar Universe, uh, along with my guest co-host today, Kevin Fulkerson from Cornerstone Design. Um, Mel Alva is, uh, as they say in Star Trek, Kevin is on an away mission. Missing in action. And she's, she's an MIA, but uh, she's alive and well, and she will be with us next week. But uh, I want to welcome all of you to the show today uh, and remind everybody that uh, for those of you who missed our show last week, it is alive and well on boxcaruniverse.com and all those great podcast players. One of the interviews that we did last week was with our second guest. His name was Micah Woods. He was from Uncontained Dreams. And what he had done, he had actually built his container home from scratch and uh, was very interested and it was a really good conversation with him. And for those of you who are thinking about that, in building your own home, uh, container home from scratch, uh, one of the things that Kevin and I are going to be talking about today is obviously getting into some of the nuts and bolts about uh, the permitting and the things that you need to do to get your uh, property ready to be able to, you know, receive a finished container home because a lot of the different municipalities uh, around the country, as well as here in the Phoenix metro area, have different regulations that we must abide by and uh, to make sure that uh, everything is legal because the last thing you want to do is buy a container home and have them crane it over your house, set it down in your yard, and then the city inspector comes by and, and says, uh, what's that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, how'd you get that here? Um, well, I bought it. Well, did you get a permit? And then that's that's the big P word, you know, which a lot of people in remodeling fear. I don't know why, you know, Kevin, maybe you can enlighten me on your experiences. But, you know, in mine, you know, when people talk about big projects and you say, well, you're going to need a permit for that. I know. I think they go, they go into sticker shock. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, oh, my God. In thinking about. You know, you do a hundred, you know, a hundred thousand dollar project, and you need a permit. I mean, the permit price, when you look at the perspective, is not going to be minimal. that. It's minimal. I mean, and to know that it's being done right, I mean, it's amazing. How many homes have I gone into where you've even noticed that uh, the home was built? This one that I know was built by a contractor years ago, but again, I guess he wasn't doing and monitoring it. Because some of the things that he had done were not of a quality contractor at all, so it it, it adds to that uh, that belief that sometimes that just because you have a license doesn't mean you're good. Oh, exactly. You yeah, know? we run into that all the time, and I think a lot of people's misconception on permits is, like you said, the cost is minimal compared to the cost of the project. But the other thing is, when you go to resell a, a, a house, whatever it is. Um, you can then you let people know, hey, 
we, we pulled permits on this. I don't know how many times I've gone in with somebody to look at a, a house or things about buying or investor group wants to buy. And, um, well, the owner said, said it was permitted. I said, well, did you get the copy? Well, no, but they said I said, well, that didn't mean anything. And then they go on county records and look, and it'll show that sketch of the house with an addition. I said, well, it's there. It's on county records. It was permitted. I said, that didn't mean it's permitted. County records will change their records. Say you, you added a 1,000-square-foot addition or closed in a carport or garage. Why would they do that? Well, they're going to get more tax money because now it's livable space. It doesn't mean that it was permitted. It also doesn't mean that you can get a permit. I've had a few cases where people want to get something permitted because they were going to sell and want to get the value. But it couldn't be permitted code-wise legally because it doesn't meet. So you're forced to either sell it as is or tear it out or you know do whatever you got to do. But the main thing I tell people is before you do something, investigate the property, what people are telling you. I can't tell you how many times I've had contracts to oh, you don't need a permit for that. I was involved with a remodeling company years ago, and the owner – had told somebody they had done an addition, this is probably 25 years ago now, a thousand square foot addition told the owner they didn't need permits. Now it got built and everything, but now we were going to go do a remodel and do a small addition to the same house. And I don't know that we could have gotten a permit. So because of the addition that was done, or we're going to have to go back and get a permit now. And the city can make you tear out drywall and stuff like that. Dig now, make sure you got foundations. So it's, it, can you save a little bit of money? Yeah, but I think what you're doing is you're you're saving pennies and spiting dollars in the long run if you get caught, you know. No, I think you're right. And I think, you know, I don't know why along the way when you think about, you know, traditional uh, building that some people, they turn around and uh, when they go to sell their home now, okay, that it's, you know— they don't want to, the buyer doesn't want to get an inspection. And it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, from, uh, you know, property wars with Doug Hopkins, right. you know, buy as is <clears throat> and, yeah. and that's it. And, and what, what happens? We have a guy that we were working with. I'm waiting for him to actually take full ownership of the house. And it's this big, you know, several thousand square feet home over in Paradise Valley because he wants to put solar on his house. The only problem was that he bought the house as is, and now the city wants it. He's got a problem with the septic system that they want him to tear it out and rebuild it, and it's going to cost them yeah. probably like $20,000 yeah, to do. Septic, and yeah. if maybe he wouldn't have bought it if it was thoroughly inspected. Well, yeah, and there, that happens all the time that people sell stuff as is, and I, I'm careful with investors to tell them, look, you can sell something as is. It doesn't mean it won't come back on you. Uh, I, I had a case here. I heard of a case. I was involved with a realtor. The um, I mean, investors rehabbed the, rehabbed the property. They did a camera on the sewer lines. They were all working at that time, flowing. But when you start to realize that older homes had cast iron plumbing, and that cast iron has been rotting for years, literally it rusts out. And even though it's working, my advice always is, if I'm doing a project, I'm running a project, or if I'm consulting with someone, take out the cast iron. You're talking three to 5000 for new lines, and then sell it when you go to sell the house. Hey, by the way, we did all new underground plumbing, ABS. It'll outlast you, your kids, your grandkids. Well, this particular case, a couple bought the home, signed a deal, as is. And about six months later, cast iron collapsed, flooded their house with sewage. So they went to court, took the builder, the investors to court. 
that said, hey, they signed off. And the judge's ruling was, well, they did sign off. However, you're the experts, not them. You should have known this was past its use for life. They had to go back in and fix all, I mean, cabinetry, flooring, everything, because the sewage had backed up. So, you know, the other thing is, I tell people, look, I don't care what you do. If, if you put something in your yard or attached to your house and it doesn't move, it needs a permit. Typically, that's it. Yeah. But, you know, there's so many cases you've got HOAs. And I guarantee you there's somebody in there with too much time on their hands and they see you doing something and they go, I think they're, they're doing something without a permit and turn you in. Now you're caught. Neighborhood services drives in neighborhoods. Um, somebody's going to project three doors down or two blocks away, an inspector drives by your house and sees stuff going on, pulls up on his computer, you don't have a permit, now you get dinged. Most cities, you get time to remedy it, get permits, et cetera. Some of them, you get a, a uh, you start with an investigation fee, and now you're on the clock. If you don't get it done in a certain amount of time, you're going to go to court. I'm meeting a lady tomorrow. She's in the county. Did something over a year ago. Uh, in February of 2022, she got a notice from the county. She turned in some drawings that didn't didn't work because there were hand sketches didn't work. And now she's just getting back to it. The reason? Because Hawk is 31st. She's got to go appear in court or take her to court. People think, oh, they're not going to do anything. Well, they can. Most cases, will they? You probably won't get caught. To me, it's just not worth the risk. Yeah, it's 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 not. You need to. Everybody needs to be aware of that. If you're not just for, you know, a regular home, even when you get into dealing with uh, container homes, because exactly. some of the things that you need to, you know, obviously one of the things that I always ask, you know, one is, is there an HOA? Who's, you know, and also what city are you in? And, you know, how big is your property? Right. Because we have to find out, like, how much livable square feet will be allowed on your property. And if you want to put, like, a, a 20 or 40-foot container home on your property, is it going to be allowed? Yeah, you, you've got rules, all sorts of rules. So zoning is one of them. Number one, if it's a single-family residence uh, type zoning, you're not allowed to have a guest house. And so I've done stick built, but you can put something called an office. It can have a bathroom. I did one. We had a, quote, bedroom, but that, but that was the craft room. And then the main part of the house was a studio, an art studio, whatever. But we had everything but a cook, but a stove. There was a right. washer dryer. Everything was in there. And on the plan, city wrote not to be used for living or sleeping purposes. Nobody's ever going to go back through and check. But that's how we had to do to get it through. Um, and so then you've also got HOAs where there's certain things not allowed. And, and also – I tell people to check your zoning, see what you can, because there's certain places you can put it. Lot coverage is huge in m- most areas. And then there's floodplain. So we're in, you know, Phoenix do a lot of stuff here. Everywhere along the canals that run through is a, on one side, there's a flood flood zone. There's also down in uh, the river bottom, South Phoenix, there's a floodway there. There's a Granite Reef floodway in Scottsdale. If you're in that floodway, I've got a project trying to do now, just completed one. It took eight months to a year to get through FEMA and city flood before we could submit building plans. So if, especially if you're an investor or you're, you're a homeowner and you want to move in, get this built and move in, you're talking anywhere from, I'd say, six, to, six months to a year just to get through the flood before you can turn in your plans for a permit. So a little bit of investigation can save you a lot of heartache later down the oh, road. Oh, yeah, because if you're in desperate need to move in, Hey, quickly, I mean, it's just not going to happen. There's right. just too many things that need to be checked on. And, and again, you know, that's, again, you could talk to a lot of different people 
you know, other investors, but your particular situation is probably unique to you and your, yeah. and your property. And that's what needs to be checked on. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's really an area where if you don't have the expertise, pay somebody that does to help you out. I work with a lot of different investors who want to do something, their first home, they're going to rehab or whatever and flip. I'll just tell them, pay somebody to walk you through it, either a consulting fee or partner with them, get through the first one, make money, and you'll see how things are done. And sometimes that works out good. Like for me, I'll keep working with them. They, they see what goes on. Like, hey, we don't want to mess with that. We'll put up the money. You handle the rest, and we do a split profit on that. Another thing comes up because we're talking tiny homes in particular, boxcar or uh, um, the container homes. Containers are not fireproof. Everybody goes, what do you mean? They're, they're steel. I said, yeah, they're not fireproof by building code. So if you're within, say you've got a, a three-foot, Phoenix has a lot of three-foot building setbacks. If you put it within that three-foot line, you've got to make that a one-hour firewall. And steel doesn't have that. People don't understand it. Also, you start cutting windows in there and doorways and stuff. They're not structural. You can stack them however five high, ten high on a ship, but nobody's living in those. And when you go to do living, you've got to get the structural done. you got to have insulation. So you got an eight-foot container, and you got to have R19 in the walls, or at least R13. You're losing space inside because those things are eight foot. Now you start taking off two inches here, two inches there, you're taking up space. So sure. little things like that that people are unaware of and, and, and just educate yourself because you're going to put a lot of money into these things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of different considerations that, you want to be able to, and again, much like uh, our guest, Micah Woods, he had the skills to be able to go and do the build out himself. And again, as he said, he did a lot of research on what kind of framing should I do? What kind of insulation yeah. should I do? You know, and in the design, when you go on his website, uncontainedreams.com, you will see the finished product, which is, it's pretty amazing. And you could tell that he had, he had some great skills. Yeah. So it's something that you know, you need to consider. And, uh, it, it's really, really important. But when we got to take a short break, when we come back, Kevin and I are going to be talking a little more about getting your site prepped for having containers and some of those other things that you need to check with the city on regarding your container home, utilities, what you're bringing into your, your property as long as it's allowed. So we got all that and more. And we got some other uh, boxcar news for uh, the Phoenix metro area that we want to let all our listeners know about. But all that and more coming up on Boxcar Universe. Don't go away. with Alva Interiors and co-host of Boxcar Universe. As a professional interior designer with over 22 years experience, I'm excited to bring my knowledge to the Boxcar Universe show. As a full-service interior design studio, we see your designs from the conceptual phase through to the styling and furnishing of your home. At Alva Interiors, our team approaches every design project with a fashion-meets-design sense to execute timeless interiors, style that makes a statement. You can find us on the web at alvainteriorsaz.com, on Facebook at alvainteriorsaz, 
and on Instagram at Alva Interiors. Chances are, when it's time to call a service professional, you need someone right away. Who can you call for those electrical problems fast? The answer is Mr. Electric, a licensed, bonded, and insured company serving the Valley of the Sun since 2000. Some of the residential and commercial services include expert troubleshooting, replacing an outlet, hanging a ceiling fan, or upgrading your electric service, and much more. Rest assured, all work is guaranteed. Call today for your appointment, 480-503-1339. You can find them on the web at phoenixmetro.mrelectric.com. Remember, at Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. We are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe, and we are here today with my guest co-host, Kevin Fulkerson from Cornerstone Design, and we are getting into the nuts and bolts and following up on our interview last week with Micah Woods from Uncontained Dreams and getting you, our listeners, up to speed on some of the things that you need to be aware of if you are considering putting a container home or even a container pool on your property because, um, obviously, container homes, they need, you know, you have to plan out uh, either slab for to put it down on, maybe uh, put it on piles. Um, you have electric. You've got water to consider. you got sewage to consider. Uh, again, uh, it, it's it's a touch and go thing, but you have to stay within those confined guidelines of what the city is telling you you're allowed to do. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so there's two things we're talking. Tiny homes is one that people are all familiar with, and let's say, well, how are these people all over the U.S. building these tiny homes and living in? I said, well, if you really look at it, they're a travel trailer because they're on wheels. You keep it on wheels, you've got a travel trailer, camper essentially. The minute you go to place it on a permanent placement, like a foundation, you've got to make sure your zoning allows it, number one. Number two, then it has to meet building code. And right now, there's movement to adjust the codes for the tiny home projects, but building codes, you have to have a certain amount of insulation, et cetera, et cetera. So you're talking a foundation. It could be a slab on grade, but you're going to need a footing. And so in the valley here, we're 18 inches below grade. Up north, uh, 24 inches because there's frost line. In some areas of the country, you've got to be 36 inches below grade to meet, to meet the frost line, frost depth. So you've got a foundation to put it on. And then you've got to have it, if you put it on a slab, it's got to have a curb up so you have at least four inches if there's concrete outside the home or six inches if it's dirt. So you can't just set it right on on the ground. Um, and then, you know, the other things, like you said, sewer or um, septic, you got to be able to connect to that. you got to have power, so you're going to have to have a panel, that kind of thing, and then water supply. So well, those are sometimes things that people overlook. And then the other thing is when you're doing these homes, you got to plan the inside properly because you got – Typically, what, eight foot wide is the widest. You're going to lose a couple inches for insulation and, and drywall and stuff, maybe three inches each way. And then you – so you got to plan a bathroom in there. Well, a small bathroom, 
you still have to have clearances, like a shower, a three by three shower is really the smallest you can go with. And you can go with a 30 inch by, say, four or five foot long, like a standard tub right. enclosure. But a toilet has to have 15 inches of from center line to each side, like to a, a cabinet, a sink, or a shower. So you got certain limitations in there. You can do a small bathroom, but you still have limitations. And in the kitchen, you do a kitchenette, you can do a small thing. And then you're going to have a, is it going to be one bedroom or or is it like if it's 40 foot, you can get a bedroom. If it's 20 feet, you're going to probably have a living room. It's going to be more like a studio in there. And you got to have natural light and ventilation. You got to cut some windows in. You got to have a door for egress or a window for right. egress. So those are all the things a lot of people don't realize that you have to put in. Because I've heard people say, oh, we'll, we'll buy a container for five, ten thousand, 10000 and we'll do it really inexpensive. I said, well, that's a good thought, but you better look into these items before you buy that container. And then now you're trying to sell it to somebody. Yeah, exactly right. Because without, without knowing all that extra information, like you said, uh, being able to, how much is it going to cost me to put a slab down? And then the other thing too is when you're when you design what if you buy one that's already built, or even if you're designing it after you buy a raw container, right? A lot of the trends are to be able to build it out so that you have an outdoor area, maybe outside of a twelve foot uh, folding door, to open up the inside and bring the outside in and the inside yep. out so that you have a deck so it gives the feeling and look of being a much bigger home than like a, a, a you know an 8 by 20 or an 8 by 40 so as you right. could easily double the width of it and make it another maybe 8 or 10 foot out and add a canopy over the top and then now you've got shade structure it's wider it's bigger and then you can always do some other you know custom things to the outside of it you know, you could don't you don't have to leave it the container look right everywhere if you don't want to. You could you could do whatever you want. You could you can cover it up if you want to with and stucco it, or maybe do some kind of cladding on the outside. I'm a I'm a believer and have the feeling of if I'm going to do something like that, I want to be able to keep part of the old container look somewhere on the exterior. So maybe we'll do the lower part in cladding or some kind of siding yeah. and then leave the upper part up so that this way people will see that, you know, wow, it is a container home because they, but they have to look twice. Right. So you, a lot of those finishes, you just want to make sure that whatever you're putting on there, number one, will adhere to it. Uh, there are products out there that have cork in them and which is highly insulative. And then you get a light color. So it's reflective because that steel will, conduct heat. However, on the inside, you can have insulation, so it's not as big an issue. But you're, one thing you mentioned, that the covered patios. There's a lot of people putting in that 12, 16-foot door, and now when you open it up, it's like you've extended here in the valley six months out of the year. You've extended your inside to the outside. Yeah. You can put misters on, things like that, too. So that makes a huge difference when you've got because it, it does make the home feel bigger. Absolutely. You do stuff like that. Now, the one thing that you have to realize, too, that when you're th we're talking about adding or electric shouldn't be a problem. No. As long as your panel is big enough to handle the extra square footage. Um, water lines shouldn't be much of a problem. The thing you have to be cognizant of is, okay, so how are we going to get rid of the waste? Is it going to be a septic? Are we going to be able to hook it up to um, a sewer line that's in on the property, right? Or are you going to have to do one of those self-contained ones, like when you go off grid, where you have a grinder, 
Yeah. And and use that, and then it has to be periodically emptied. Yeah, those are – so you, probably your biggest hurdle is your AC, how you're going to do that. Now, most of them use a mini split because now you've got a unit that hangs on the wall, and they look good. You can get really nice-looking ones, and you can run two or three. So if you have a bedroom, if you have a container big enough for a bedroom, a kitchen, and a bathroom – you would use two of those. You'd have one uh, uh, compressor on the ground and then two condensers, one in each room, so that you and the remote control, so you can control your heating and cooling however you want. So um, you're not going to do ductwork. I guess if you have a nine foot ceiling, you could fur it down, but you're talking loss. Then it makes it feel even more closed in. So yeah, because we want to use high cube containers. Yeah, but you usually once you frame it out in insulation under normal circumstances, you're still left with about a nine foot head clearance. Yeah, yeah, you can get you which get is those. which isn't bad at all because you need something like that, especially if you're going to put ceiling fans in. And right. for the most part, they're going to have to be huggers because they're oh, not yeah. going to have to any. There's not going to be any room for a down rod because then you'll be below the accepted code height. Yeah, you have a head knocker there. Yeah, so it's a head knocker. In the head, so. yeah, you'll be, your head will be spinning, literally. Yeah, and then the, it's a great concept. I know a lot of people say, oh, I want to do a tiny home, get rid of everything. But when they get right down to it, it's not this. I tell people, go rent one somewhere. Go for a weekend. Go for a week. Go stay somewhere and, and find one of these and, and live in and see what it's like, see what it's really like. Now, if you're single and stuff, maybe a couple – um, and, you know, that's fine. A lot of them have a loft bed. So if you know, you're older or you have uh, physical issues, you got to be able to get up to that bed. Um, and if it's going to be permanent, that stairway has to meet, you know, a certain code. So I, it's best to go out and look at some, like you've, you've yeah. got outlets there and go find, cause there's places that rent them. They'll build, yeah. and you can go I out mean, for an Airbnb type thing. Absolutely. And then, you know, if you're in the Phoenix area, you, you know, well, one of the people that we work with. Uh, was United Tiny Homes over in Goodyear. They actually are the people that uh, were instrumental in working with the people up in uh, Prescott who did the Whistle Stop RV and uh, in, uh, in Tiny Home Park yeah. up there. And that we were up there when they had their grand opening. And uh, you want to go up, to, you go rent one. You know, a friend of mine who actually works um, up in Cave Creek who wants to do a remodel in his house uh, that we spoke to a long time ago. He's got an older f- small home. It's built in the 1950s, but he's got so much. What He's got a lot of property. It's on a hill. It has an overlook of the, of the mountains and stuff. And he wants to put several container home VRBOs on it. But he works in the entertainment business with the casinos. So he was working up in Bucky's up in Prescott and then he was still living in Cave Creek. So, and for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's about an hour and a half commute. Yeah. From there, you know, each way, but now he's working out in globe, which is a little further (laughs) in globe to Cave Creek's a little much. He actually went out and bought, he, he actually went out and bought a tiny home that he could, either sell when he's done with his, his contract, which is, I think it lasts a couple of years. I think he's on a two year contract and then he could eat or put it on his property. Yeah. You know, cause like you said, it's movable. You can go anywhere. Exactly. And, and that, that, that's what saves a lot of people is it's on wheels. So you can go to like an RV park, a mobile home type park and put it in there, but just to go put it on a piece of ground. Typically most area zonings, there are some agricultural where you can do a lot of things that you can't do very well. 
like you, people, I'll buy a lot and put it on there. Well, if it's not going to be permanent, you can typically, like you could live in a, in a motorhome or a travel trailer or a tiny home for like a year or so while you're building another residence. But it, it won't work on wheels as a permanent residence typically. It has to be permanently set. And then to set it permanently, and there are outlying areas. There's areas where um, up in uh, Young, Arizona, which is down off the rim, I had a guy going to do a uh, – he's going to build a house, but he's also doing some containers for a shop and stuff. And all he had to have for plans was a floor plan with electrical plan. And why they wanted electrical, I don't know, but to get his power buddy, he had to have that. That's all he had to have. There were no inspections. So there are areas of the country where you can go do things and probably areas where if you did something, you wouldn't get caught. But again, check those things out before you go and spend the money and, and the time and then end up finding you got, you know – a boat anchor that you can't do anything with because then you build it out to your specs and nobody's going to want to give you the money you paid into it. So, yeah, if I want to have a boat anchor, I want to have it. <laughs> I want to have it out in out in Coronado or out in the exactly. Caribbean. I think that's that's going to be something that again, what we try to do here every week to make sure that people uh, think about what they're doing and give give you ideas for thought so that this way you go out and ask the right questions to be able to go out into the market and seek out the people that you're looking for. And like I said, you know, Mel and I have got some great contacts with, um, you know, container people. And also again, you know, um, container pools are, are good friends up in Las Vegas who manufacture the container pools. Those are a lot of different things. Again, thinking about, you know, we, I've been contacted by some of their clients where they need help in in guiding them along the way. Well, I want to put it on this piece of property. Well, what do I need to do? So they're ready to buy it. And yeah. and they could and my our friend up there, Matt, can build them. But again, you know, pools are a little different than the containers. But yeah. again, you still need you still need to get water. You still need electric. Right. You know, um, and then I'm sure that the city codes are going to look at it like, okay, well, it's not a container home, but it's a container pool. And do container pools fall in the same category of codes that a regular pool does? They're not going to be quite the same because regular pools, you're digging a hole and putting in shock cream. So, so they want those to be – there's a little more regulation there just because – you don't want anybody, just anybody digging a big hole and throwing some stuff in the ground. So they want they want to have inspections. But on a container home, all the specs are already done. So basically just turn in the specs. Um, you're going to have to have power out there and that type of thing. So you're still going to get a minor permit. But the it's not as as bad because you don't need structural details typically and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, because the one thing that I always, always tell everybody that they're interested in, you know, like ask, well, what's the advantage of getting a container pool over – putting one in my yard and in, in digging a hole. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to be said about, you know, the disruption that you have in your yard for three months while they go ahead and, and build your pool. At the same time, too, now the pool becomes part of the home, okay? If you get a container pool, yeah, it's part of your home, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to stay there if you decide right. to move. You take yeah, you the pool take with, with you. you. You can move it. You can build a deck around it. So another thing about those is, the, the coatings they put on the inside are more of a, um, like an epoxy-type coating on the container pools. On a swimming pool, you've got plaster. 
And now you can't get PVC pools that, that sit in the ground. In, in highly wet areas, they don't like those because they'll actually float them. If you get a bunch of rain, it could float it out. But on swimming pools, um, you've got to watch your chemical, you know, the chemical mix that goes in, the chlorine and stuff. You've got to have that balanced all the time, which you still do on a container. But on a, a regular swimming pool, that product will leach out depending upon if you do a saltwater pool, one of the things that it does is that can start to eat away at the sidewalls. I, I found this out to listen to some uh, pool contractors and some some presentations. So those are things, too, that can affect, but the container's going to have a nice uh, epoxy-type resin. You can even get a pebble tech on it. And so your maintenance probably is a little bit less in that. And everything, like I say, everything's contained. If you want to take it with you, you can. Uh, you want to move it around your yard, you can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, there are a lot of pool manufacturers, container pool manufacturers around the country that um, basically treat the pool a little bit differently. Uh, I know our contact up in Vegas, Matt, he has a, uh, you know, he actually, what they do is they take a regular standard height container, yeah. 20 foot, and they cut it horizontally. So you actually make two pools out of one container. Oh, okay. And then the top part, they actually, you know, they do all the reinforcement and stuff with it because that part doesn't really have the, the floor in it like the bottom part has. But then they have a mold where they have a mold and they do a fiberglass mold. Then once after they pour it and it hardens, they take the mold out and it fits in the container. Ah, I guess, yeah. So that are... this way it's sealed and then... The really cool thing about it is when they put the windows in the side, yeah. which they have to do, and it, it, it's pretty pretty wide piece of, um, I believe it was a, I can't remember the exact thickness of it, but it's plexiglass, and uh, it really gives the look of the pool yeah. in your backyard. And you could, depending on the size you put in, you could either put them in on the long side, you could even put it in on the short side opposite the doors. Yeah. And the doors on a container pool are are obviously they're cut down the ones, and then the stairs that go down from the deck are on that on the swing door side where the container doors open. Underneath there is where they put all the all pool the equipment, equipment yeah. all the equipment in there. So it's a pretty neat situation. But again, um, you know, being having the codes the way that they need to be, or is just so very important. But you need to check it out. And uh, have all your ducks in a row. And we can help you with that as well. If you're interested in a container pool or a container home, we could do a consultation with you and go over all that. And uh, we'll, we'll basically go over all these things that Kevin and I are talking about to get your property ready for, you know, the container type that you would like to put in. But uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we've got some more interesting st things to talk about, container stuff to talk about. Also, uh, some news here in the Phoenix area and what the city is doing to uh, help the homeless population here in this in excessive heat that we've been having here. I mean, uh, you know, people understand that in July we had almost an entire month of temperatures that were over 110. And I think— uh, I think Kevin today we, we we might have to get break out the sweaters yeah. because it's only going to be 107, yeah. you know, today. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to get through it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, 
107. Can we? What do you think? We still jump in the? You know, 107 degrees is even hotter than the spa. Yeah, it is. Spa is 103 degrees at normal temperature. Because I remember I had my spa. That was the perfect temperature to jump in. 107. You could get burnt if you yeah, jump in 107 <laughs> degrees. May God. But uh, more information coming up about what uh, the city is doing for that, as well as we got some updates on some things about uh, one of the topics we covered earlier uh, called freight farms. So, and we're going to be going, making a trip down there and getting the tour coming up here uh, in the next week or two. So I want everybody to hang tight. We'll be right back. And you are locked into Boxcar Universe. You may not believe this, but smart home technology can be traced back to 1975 to the first home automation platform when the X10 was invented. In 48 years, things have come a long way. To truly have a smart home today, the homeowner needs to make a smart decision and call a premier high-tech company. That company is Mythic Sound, Lighting, and Shade. Mythic can simplify your life with home automation, home security, home theater, Lighting and shade plus outdoor and indoor home audio custom designed to fit your lifestyle. For the finest in products and services, visit their website at mythicsls.com. That's M Y T H I C S L S.com or call them today for a free consultation at 602 329 4252. That's 602 329 Four two five two. Hi, I'm Sean with Mr. Electric, and I have a tip to help make your life better. One important reminder is to call a qualified electrician when you have frequent problems with blowing fuses or tripping circuit breakers. When a circuit breaker trips or a fuse blows, it's indicating that you have a problem with some other part of the circuit. If your breaker trips more than once, you should have a qualified electrician come out and take a look at it. Contrary to what may be acceptable, you really shouldn't try to continuously try to reset the breaker because there may be a problem somewhere else down the circuit and you could be causing a fire hazard. There could be a loose connection or some other form of problem on the circuit, and every time you reset the circuit breaker, it could be causing a spark at the other end. We recommend having a qualified electrician come out and check on the condition of the circuit and make sure that the circuit does not have any problems. And it could just be a bad breaker also, but you definitely want to have a qualified electrician check that out. To have someone come out from our team may only take a portion of a day, but it could potentially save you a lot of money or your life. And that's just another way Mr. Electric has the power to make your life better. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe, and we're here today with my guest co-host, Kevin Fulkerson, and we're talking about uh, getting your property ready for your next container cabin or uh, or home, depending on what you're going to put down as well, or a pool for that matter. We were talking about pools last segment, but we want to talk a little bit about what the city of Phoenix is doing here in the way of the homeless population, which is something that uh, 
is a, a serious problem in a lot of different cities around the country. But um, when you have the excessive heat that we are having, I mean, Kevin, I mean, in July, we've recorded the hottest month ever yeah. of any state on the planet ever since they've been do- doing recording the, the heat temperatures, which is just unbelievable. I mean, you know, it's just after a while you, uh, I guess it's like, you know, when we, when we lived, used to live back East, you know, when it snowed excessively and, you know, snows up to the top of your door and you can't get out and it's just, it's, it's amazing. You just, what do you do? you, You just have to live with it. You have to go and find a way to deal with life with that particular situation. Well, the same goes for heat. And, um, in certain areas of downtown Phoenix, you have uh, large populations of homeless people, and uh, there are a lot of great organizations out there supplying um, the people down there with water every day and other essentials. Um, our good friend Andy Hobika and his great staff from his company, Hobika Services, they go down once a month and supply the homeless with everything from essentials to water uh, and a lot of different things too. So, which I believe is coming up uh, on August 20th, which I believe is a Saturday coming up here in the next few weeks. So if you are in the sound of my voice in the Phoenix area, if you have any donations, make sure that you touch base with uh, Hobika services and, and Andy specifically, he'll be able to help direct you for that great event. But um, the city is actually creating container homes. They are called X-Wing, and they are a solar-powered air conditioning shelter made from shipping containers. And they're all temporary. They're all temporaries, and they're they're movable, obviously. And uh, they're going to be put in areas in and around the Phoenix downtown area to actually help the homeless population. And, uh, but, uh, Kevin, on those particular situations, I'm sure that there is, um, you know, a whole different, you know, alignment of codes because yeah. those are all in the, that falls under temporary housing. It's under temporary housing and the city can make special, um, provisions for things like homelessness or low-income people, too. And, and the nice thing about those is you are providing a way to get people off the streets. The containers also can be on the inside. Uh, they can put up a substrate that they can do an epoxy finish on. So when they when they have to move people out or whatever, they, they can hose it down, that kind of thing. So, And like the mini splits, they will put a, uh, a wire cage around them so people can't steal them because that's one of the issues they have a lot of, uh, you know, problems with. You're running PVC, you know, or, or PEX piping, so you don't have copper that people can steal. So, but they're they're highly portable, and you can get a lot of them in a small space. So you could have sleeping areas, and then you could have a centralized bathroom type setup. Um, some places are even talking about having, uh, like, uh, St. Vincent de Paul or. Um, uh, other agencies come in and do like a feeding area. They'll have a kitchen set up, similar to what they have. Mesa has a couple of them down there. They have St. Vincent's and um, on the other one just dropped my name, not Salvation Army, but there's Salvation Army does some stuff too. So, But you've got a highly transient uh, population there. You've got a lot of people that with issues, drugs and, and mental issues, so you have to be aware of that. 
you can do good things for people, but sometimes they're in such a state that they don't understand. I, I've seen people on the streets. My daughter was on the streets for a year, several years ago, when you have drug issues, and they would rather be out there than they would going into somewhere than changing their life. It, it's, it's sad. It really is. People don't want to change. There's ways out. Um, but this is a way for them to get rid of the homeless camps, which are not safe. We used to do feedings a couple times a year now and there, and finally the police just said, look, there's, we can't keep you safe. We don't want you coming down here uh, doing this. It was a nice gesture, but they, they basically stopped people from doing it. So they get rid of the homeless camps, all the temporary structures, which aren't safe either. And if you have a fire go through one of those, you can have several people killed because they spread so fast. So it, it's, a, it's a kind of a necessary um, thing to do because you're not going to get everybody to change their life and, and do the right thing. So, yeah, it's again, you know, in with what the city is doing, um, the shelters can sleep up to 20 people. And they're also obviously it's just not anybody just can't walk in right. and just find a room. You have to go through a case manager. Right. And be able to find, you know, to be able to place you so that this way you can do it. But again, a lot of people, and I understand what you're saying, Kevin, because sometimes you get in that stage that it's it's easier to do nothing than try and change your life and do something. Yeah, they, they can go get a free meal at, at the soup kitchens, the type of things there. Years ago, um, church I was going to, we did a um, like a community thing to invite people in. There was a guy that came in with his family. They, I think they were driving like a suburban, but I was getting information on him. Um, and he, they lived in the desert of their whatever, their suburban whatever, and they basically lived out there because he was concerned. He didn't want anybody, he, the government, you know, is watching everybody, his Social Security number and all that. But I looked at his wife and kids, and I just thought, they're suffering because of his, whatever you want to call it, delusions or his belief that, every, and I want to go, why are they watching you? What do you, you don't have anything anybody wants. And so a lot of times we, we don't understand the mental things that people go through, especially when they're on drugs. I worked a lot with drug addicts and stuff. I had some kids on drugs. And, and when you get in there, the drugs have such a negative effect that they aren't, they aren't in the right mind. And so, um, so with these types of setups, then, yeah, you're going to have um, – basically, it'll be uh, kind of a gated area. They'll have to go through an agency. They'll have to get approved and all that. And sadly, there's a lot of people who won't do it just because there are regulations. You know, they're going to have to adhere to what, you know, the rules. Yeah, and, and again, it, the, it's all a, a state of mind. It is. When you turn around because a lot of times, you know, if, you, if you're off, if you're off and gotten off the, whatever, you, whatever you were addicted to, the, the, that can happen relatively a lot more faster than the change in your personality and the right. way you perceive things. And it's, it, that takes time. It's going to take time. And like, you know, it's almost like, um, I remember years and years ago when, uh, back in 1992, I used to smoke and, uh, cigarettes. And then I wanted to stop smoking because my, my father and my brother died of emphysema. Yeah. And it took me once, it took me three attempts. And the third time I really did it because every time I stopped, I, I got mad at myself because I had lost all that time that I had stopped, you know, weeks had gone by and I'm like, Oh, I got this thing licked. And then no, but after three months, 
when it left my mind to all of a sudden one day I was like thinking, oh, well, wait a minute, I'm not thinking about this anymore. Haven't thought about it for three months. Now I've got a really good handle on it because now you could turn around and see it, people doing it. You could be even walk past them and, and you're not tempted. Right. And then you know you've gotten it licked. And that's going to take time. But in the meantime, you have to go out and have, you know, get some kind of help. And obviously yeah. with the success of heat, and like I said, August hopefully won't be as bad as July, but even at 107, you know, we're still dealing with, you know, uh, excessive heat warnings. Well, yeah, and you got, again, the mental issue is probably the biggest one because you can house people, but if you don't have programs for them to go into to deal with that, and there are some people, their mental issues are so severe that they almost need permanent type lockdown housing where that way they can't hurt anybody else and themselves. But when you're out there on the streets, I mean, one of the things I learned about people is, you know, you're not worried about your future. You're worried about where's my next meal coming from? Do I hit a trash can? Do I hit, try to hit some fast food places? We'll see what they're throwing out. Um, go to the soup kitchen. You know, your, your biggest thing is where, where am I going to eat? And then where's my next fix coming from? And then, and that's literally, they can't think any further out thing. Cause you can go and say, well, don't you have a plan for your life and all that stuff? They can't think that far ahead. No, yeah, they can't. So you got to get them into some type of a program in that, a program that continually takes them from getting off the drugs or whatever it is, and then into a, like a work situation where they are working. They've got a place, a lot of the um, halfway house stuff around here, it's not free, but they help them find jobs. They help them. They'll help them get right. clothes if they need them. There's a place in Mesa where a woman can come in just clothes on her back, and and they'll help her find work and, and um, that kind of thing. So, but those places are an old place because they don't get state funding. They're basically a donation, and it, it's out of the goodness of people's hearts that those even exist. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know, and one of the people that we've had on the show we're working with our builders. Um, Family Promise. Yeah, they are a great organization that actually will do all that plus more because they're not just supplying people with their immediate needs, but they're supplying them with needs to actually make life-changing decisions, so that they understand, you know, that just because they're homeless doesn't mean they're insignificant. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people, when you get down to that state of mind, that's where you're at, and then you're in, you, you've hit bottom. Really. Yeah. So I think that's one of the good things that uh, Family Promise does. And, you know, I applaud the city of Phoenix for uh, reaching out, trying to do something with, uh, you know, the this uh, homeless population with the excessive heat. Because, I mean, you hear every day with heat waves that go across the country, how many people, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of elderly people yeah. dying because of... You know, heat exhaustion. So well, if you have health issues too, that can add to it. And the nice thing about that most cities will do, they'll have a place, um, some type of a public building that they'll open up during the day for people to go into to be out of the heat and then they can go back out at night, whatever. But um, yeah, you got to change the mentality. But there are certain people that they, they I don't want to say they don't care, but they don't have the ability to care where their lives are going. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a sad thing. But, you know, if... Uh, like I said, if you are a person that uh, is in need of help, by all means, I would encourage you to contact Family Promise, and they'll be able to help you. Uh, their particular um, 
container community is the containers are have been started and are under construction. The one that are going to the one uh, site over on 59th Avenue and Bethany Home Road, which uh, I don't believe there has been any site prep done yet. But from what I understand from our good friend down at uh, uh, IMS Builders, that those containers are under construction. Yeah. So I want to make sure that uh, all of you, please reach out to Family Promise if you're in need of help, as well as if you are someone who can uh, make any kind of donations. Um, they do accept donations as well, cash donations and other types of help. So uh, it's a great organization to actually be a part of, and uh, we're privileged to be able to bring what they are doing to the Valley of the Sun and uh, help our community. So it's 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 a great uh, project, and uh, real happy to give everybody updates on that. And I know there are a lot of other cities that we've spoken to where similar projects that are going yes. on. And when uh, they're a little further along, I know there's one uh, a similar type project that's going on in Pennsylvania. But when I had touched base with them, they had just gotten their permit and they had uh, just breaking ground. So we're going to have some of their uh, updated information in the coming weeks as well. So uh, hope that helps everyone. And when we come back, we're going to take a break and talk a little bit more, wrap up a couple of odds and ends, and um, give you a little update on uh, that uh, show that we had earlier this uh, this year on freight farms. So, and everybody stay tuned. Don't go away. You're listening to Boxcar Universe. Stardust Building Supplies is your home improvement thrift store. Find salvaged and gently used cabinetry, doors, windows, appliances, lighting, plumbing, and much more. Save money, be green, and support the community. Shop and donate at Star Building Supplies' three valley locations. For more info, visit stardustbuilding.org. Hi, I'm Steve Dubell from Ideal Home Improvement. The uncertainty of our economy is very troublesome. Interest rates are rising and inflation is high. The utility cost of energy is forever rising. The good thing is that we as homeowners can do something about our energy bill right now and in the future. Solar energy is literally the best investment you can make at this moment and the most likely to steady your finances through uncertain times. Think about this. If you could have locked down the cost of your energy bill 10 years ago, would you have done it? I think your answer would be yes. Think of the savings you could be enjoying right now as your neighbors who don't have solar are at the mercy of the utility companies. Let Ideal Home Improvement review your energy bill and see what a solar system on your home can do for your family and budget. Just give us a call at 602-332-6203 or email us at steve at idealhomeimprovementaz.com. Let me help you start saving today. Hi, I'm John Weisbach, co-host of FYI Network's hit TV show, Tiny House Nation. Now, people all over the country are downsizing, and tiny homes are all the big rage. But remember, even tiny homes need repairs, and left unattended, those tiny problems become big problems. 
Don't let that happen to you. Know what makes your home tick. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe, and we're here today with my guest co-host, Kevin Polkerson, and we're talking about getting your property ready for that container home or container pool that you're actually looking to, to put on your uh, property, or, you know, if you're just building a standard, you know, stick or block built home, certain things that you need to know about before you spend all that money to actually go back and build it. Okay. So, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, as they say, preliminary work that needs to be done. And uh, as Kevin and I had said, we can't stress enough that you need to be able to go and do that. And um, so and make sure that you contact us before you start spending money and then wind up, like you found that you just flushed it down the toilet and you have to start over, but uh, not a good thing. But we had uh, our show several weeks ago when we were speaking with our good friend Derek from Freight Farm. And what that is, if you don't know what that is, it is a, uh, a container that has been converted into a, uh, you know, to grow food. And they do vertical farming. And they wonder, well, what, Steve, what's vertical farming? Well, vertical farming is, you know, as you see when you have acres of land, you're growing it on the ground. Well, we could call that horizontal farming, okay, because it's built on, it's growing on the ground. But in a container, it is grown without dirt, with nutrients, and it's vertical farming. And the one thing that blew me away was the fact that they can grow 800 heads of lettuce in one week in one 40-foot container, depending on what, you know, other uh, things that they're growing in there. But, I mean, you think about 800 heads of lettuce. You go yeah. to the supermarket. How many heads of lettuce do you see there? Maybe 15 in the rack on the shelf. Man, think about 800 heads of lettuce. And uh, the nearest freight farm to the Phoenix metro area is down at the biosphere in Tucson, which uh, Mel and I are going to be, and Kevin are going to be going down there uh, and checking that out and seeing what, what the tour is and how they do it. And the, the good thing that I found out from one of the people I've spoken to already is that they take the food that they produce. Can you think about it? It's, it's near uh, uh, university of Arizona, U of A, at the biosphere, and they actually take that food that they grow, and they give it. They have two specific nonprofit organization food banks that they supply food to. So that not only are they growing food, they're able to, you know, give it to a uh, an organization, those two food banks, to actually help the community. And I think that's that's one. Uh, one unique thing that is is so very important and again you can take and do freight farming if you want to if you have a property and you want to start a business you can contact freight farms there out of Massachusetts and learn a whole lot more about the uh, 
you know, the containers themselves, how they grow, speak with other farmers who actually have existing businesses. And it doesn't make a difference where you are. I mean, you could live in Phoenix. You could live in a cold climate. I mean, we even had, uh, Kim, we even had, uh, you know, a note from the website where they actually went from extremes of growing food up in Alaska versus growing food in a container at a freight farm in Dubai where it was 130. Yeah. Yeah, those were, the neat thing about those is you can vary the climate inside them. So like down in the valley here, you'd, in the summertime, you're going to run fans, but you've got kind of enclosed environment where um, you can produce the humidity needed to grow a lot of fruits and vegetables. Then in wintertime, you put a little bit of heat, doesn't require much, but that's considered an auxiliary structure. So in that case, it's typically you can um, do it like it is, call it a storage container or whatever, but a lot of people are doing these and um, growing microgreens and stuff like that and actually making money off of them. There's a big call from microgreens, fresh microgreens, because the stuff you get at the store has been shipped in, and so it's already two, three, four, or five days old. You never know how much. But if you do microgreens, there's a lot of restaurants that will actually buy from you because you've got very fresh stuff. So uh, they become, if you want to be self-sufficient, you can basically grow anything you want in there. Yeah. They're really pretty neat. You know, and what, thinking about that, which is so very important, you have extended life of buying fresh from 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 those types of farms. The, the thing that, you know, sometimes I think a lot of people miss when they go to the supermarket is that, you know, you always look to see if there's expiration dates on certain yes. items, okay? So it says best used by in a specific date or best sold by right. a specific date. I'm like, okay, well, if it's sold by a date, and that's what it says, how long is it good for after that particular date to be able to be used? Now, if it says used by a certain date, and like if you go to the store, you better look for those things first before you go actually buy certain packages because certain packages in on the shelf may have different dates on them. Yeah, a lot and, of them do. And you want to find the one that has the most furthest out date because you could take it home. You don't know if you're going to use it tomorrow. Right. Well, you also don't know. So the main thing I like about growing your own stuff is you know what's gone into it. When you um, buy stuff from the store, you can even buy organic. And when you read the rules about organic, there are so many loopholes in that. And now they're uh, coding... Uh, vegetables and stuff with there's a coating I can't remember the name of it off of my top of my head but it's actually it, it's not a great chemical to have in there I mean people don't realize what what goes in your bodies how it affects it so when you when you grow your own stuff you're not you're not using pesticides you you know the, all the nutrients you're putting in are natural so you can grow that kind of stuff you can share with your neighbors give it away sell it that type of thing but let's say you don't use it all up what do you do with it put it in your compost pile you put it in your compost pile and you're recycling it now back and you're making your own uh, dirt and nutrients in there to plant stuff in. Now, most of the freight forms are hydroponics. But right. you may still take the leftovers, do it in a compost pile. There's stuff you're going to grow outside like corn, different things like that, that you, you, you're not going to grow in a container. But um, you have control over what's going in there. What, what type of are they putting chemicals in, or are they, you know, are they, is it uh, heirloom seeds as opposed to bio, um, but genetically modified that type of thing? Yeah, it's 
it's it's so important, and that's why I think you know a lot of people. Um, I think everybody should be aware and of what they are putting in their bodies and where they're growing it and where it's coming from and all that other good stuff. Because uh, you think about it, you know, there's enough. Life happens so fast. Sometimes yeah. you could easily get caught up in. Uh, okay, so what fast food place am I stopping at today? Because I don't have time, and then you, <laughs> yeah. you're you're subject to whatever wherever you go. And uh, and I know some places have made a strive to to get more, uh, you know, nutrient based food, so that this way they're not just getting something that's stamped out. But on the other hand, too, is like. Um, I don't think if you are a person that wants to get ahead in life is that you're not going to just go out and uh, take it a day at a time and whatever life throws at you, just right. deal with it. If you want have good health, you got to plan for it. Oh, just you do. Like, you definitely do. Just like if you're going to do for your business. If you're going to do planning for your business, um, you have to plan for your health needs. Well, I tell people sometimes you're better off. Um, when you, if you go to fast food, throw the food away and eat the container. It's probably healthier for you and stuff. So, and there's other other things too in there because Wait a minute, what kind of nutrients does <laughs> cardboard fiber? Have? That gives you fiber. Oh, fiber. So. Oh, okay. So the the other thing is is and just because something's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. Sugar is vegan, but processed sugar is one of the worst things you can you can put in your body because it it just fuels things like diabetes, uh, being overweight, heart disease, all that kind of stuff. So. You have to really look and and do your research, but most people don't want to do that. Well, they'll trust the government. You know, for oh, years we had oh, the, no. the the food <laughs> triangle thing, and now they've changed that <clears throat> in the past few years because it wasn't healthy. Well, you also got to look at why why do we have processed food? Because we have so many people now living in cities. You live in an apartment in the middle of New York City. You're not going to have go out and have a garden. You might have a couple plants, but so we're trying to feed the masses. So why do we have flour that says enriched because they pull all the good stuff out. They have to in- put stuff back in it. You know, uh, the gluten allergies and stuff didn't used to exist. If we were in Europe, we could probably eat the bread and stuff because it's it, the way it's grown. Most, like in Europe, a lot of countries, stuff that we still use as pesticides and, and uh, treatments on plants have been outlawed there. So you go there, you're getting grains that are, are fresh grains. That they, they haven't been modified in any way. So food, different, different areas. So it's you just got to be cognizant of that. But a freight farm to me would be a good way if you're serious about it. Now, obviously, you go, well, I can buy, you know, five years worth of groceries for the cost of a freight farm. You can. But what are you putting in your, in your body? And yeah. to me, it's just that, that's the real importance is I'd rather live longer, healthier, then you know, then I would enjoy some of the things that that I used to enjoy. I don't, I don't eat sugar at all anymore, and I don't even. I, most things taste too sweet, except so I'll eat fruit instead. You know, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I gave up sugar a long time ago when I li- used to live in Chicago back in the eighties. Um, just and now it's just like it doesn't. It's not anything that I really crave or even think about. Yeah. Really, I mean, you know, you go, you go and get um, unsweetened tea. Yeah, yeah. You don't need you don't need sweetened tea. Yeah, I, I grew up on unsweetened tea. I never had that. But then I used to do two or three of those big forty four ounce things a day, and diet soda too, which is the oh, worst no. thing. So oh. I can't even stand. That's too much sugar now. No, it's just too much, too much to do. But uh, Kevin, how can our listeners contact you if you have any questions regarding their uh, planning needs for their home or their container pool or container home? Sure, I would go through your through your website and then um. 
My phone number is 602-695-5324. Email is RTO, so that's the letter R, the letter T, the letter O, 52 at msn.com. That's great. That's great. Thank I appreciate, appreciate that. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, it was great to have you back on and laid you back in the saddle again. And um, for all our listeners out there, too, if you've been looking for information about uh, what I do in under Ideal Home Improvement, you'll be able to find our brand new website is up and running at idealhomeimprovementaz.com. So if you have any solar needs, question residential or commercial, um, renovation consulting, handyman work, or energy audits, make sure you contact us. Send us a, a note through our contact us uh, form, and we'll be able to uh, have a consultation with you and help you with that. So uh, that has uh, been long in the in the making. So it's up and running now as of yesterday. So uh, please check it out and hope we can be a help to you. But uh, thanks to all our listeners every week for listening to Boxcar Universe. And, uh, you know, one of the analytics, Kevin, that I looked at the other day, which was really impressive, you know, not only to see um, where, you know, we are on the Internet, so basically all over the world. But where are a lot of the unique listeners coming from? Do you know that one of the things that we have a a good uh, chunk of people, we'll call them, um, that are listening to Boxcar Universe every week is in India. Oh, wow. Which was, it just was pretty amazing and it's very, very humbling. But we've got listeners all over the world, not just here in the United States. So uh, hope that we are making a difference and that's all we try and do here every week. The models of modern uh, technology. There you go. There it. you go. But uh, again, we are so, your source for cutting edge information on container homes and container pools. So let Mel and I build your next container dream home. You could always email us at boxcarliving at gmail.com or steve at boxcaruniverse.com. And you could hear Boxcar Universe on any of your favorite podcast players. And always remember, let us containerize your lifestyle. You're a great American. I love you. (laughs) 